the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by Mukti, the founder of Mukti Organics. For close to 20 years, Mukti has been at the very forefront of the organic beauty movement. Having grown up in country Australia and having lived within a permaculture community, Mukti's appreciation for and fascination with the environment guided her studies in natural medicine and in cosmetic formulation. Mukti has come a long way since formulating her first product, a lip balm that she tells me was an absolute disaster. Mukti Organics was one of the first Australian companies to reach certified organic status back in 2006, and more recently she's published her first book, Truth in Beauty, a consumer guide to decoding the exceedingly murky territory of cosmetic labels. In this conversation, Mukti delves into just how unregulated the Australian beauty industry is, shares a frankly terrifying story about one of the world's highest selling skincare products, explains the difference between organic, natural, green and toxin free, and tells me precisely how many chemicals I had applied to my skin before I'd even left the house. One of the things that I really think is a point of difference for Mukti is that it's not just obviously it is a beauty brand, but I feel like you are a lifestyle brand beyond just selling the products um, because you are promoting sort of a natural way of life and living toxin free and organically. Is that some way, is that a way that you've always lived? Yeah, I think so. I was raised in the country. I hadn't actually considered the brand to be a lifestyle brand, but when I read that, I thought, yeah, it is actually. It's a, it's yeah. a holistic way of life and Absolutely. living that embraces the principles of uh, an organic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was raised in the country, so I, I guess I've um, got that connection with nature mm-hmm. and always had that since I was a child. My happiest moments were spent in the garden. Yeah. And so for me, it's always been... Uh, I've always felt happiest in nature, so I guess that's where it stems from, really. And at what point, as as an adult, did you really make a conscious effort to say, okay, this is the way that I'm going to live my life and I'm going to make changes in these areas? So I was always interested in plant medicine mm-hmm. and I started studying around at a young age Mm -hmm. uh, and then I ended up studying naturopathy first and then acupuncture and so uh, when I was in college I started doing the remedial therapies section of the Mm -hmm. of the studies first and then I started working with people um, in in a massage sense so I did a lot of remedial therapies working one-on-one with people Mm -hmm. and that's sort of how my um, my passion with with natural therapies began and wanting to help people that was always my desire my father was a lawyer and I thought I'd always study law and you know uh-huh. try to impress him <laughs> but it wasn't what it wasn't where my calling was and um, so that's pretty much how it started and um, yeah you mentioned that you grew up in the country. When you were growing up, did you think you would ever work in beauty? Was that something you aspired to, to do? Yeah, so my mother was a model, so I always looked up to her. I remember she'd get ready for fashion parades and she was always putting on her face or um, very conscious about how she looked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she used to feed us Vogel's bread and nuts and seeds and we'd go to yeah. school with that and... I'd always look at the other girls with white bread and jam sandwiches. <laughs> and I was always a bit jealous, so I'd do swaps. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up with with a health-conscious mother who was always concerned about how her visual appearance mm-hmm. was. And um, so I was conscious of that, I guess, as well, which helped me. Um, and then I went to boarding school, mm-hmm. and one of my friends was from Byron Bay, and... She introduced me to, I'm not even sure whether this brand is still around, but it was called Rachel Perry and it was aloe vera based and I loved it. And she introduced me to that and then she introduced me to smashed avocado. This is a long time (laughs) ago. And I remember thinking, oh, this is lovely. You know, there's something really nutritious Mm. about this food and it made me feel great. 
Um, so I think um, that all tied into me having an interest in alternative or natural products as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. It just it wasn't even something that came into my sphere really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know that it was in the late 90s that you began to start formulating and really looking into the ingredients that were within skincare, but what was the catalyst that led you to launch Mukti in 2000? So I moved to my, my partner and I had, or my husband mm-hmm. had a couple of hairdressing salons. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Brisbane, uh, we, he would do the hairdressing and then I was looking at how I got into beauty therapy mm-hmm. was I was looking at an add-on service. Yeah. And so that all tied in and I was doing that when I was studying naturopathy. So I worked with a, a really great clinician in Brisbane as well who taught me a lot about natural medicine. She had a very successful practice mm-hmm. and I could see the healing benefits of herbal medicine and natural yeah. medicine and alternative medicine. And uh, then when we moved to the country, uh, I was pregnant Mm-hmm. And we moved to a community. Uh, it was a permaculture community where ah. everyone was making, you know, mud brick houses and yeah. round earth houses. And I was gardening. And um, then I set up a co-op there mm-hmm. and for everyone to bring their produce so that we could use that as a community base for people to swap their food out. Yeah, amazing. And then I, after Kiana was born, I started, uh, I was given an opportunity to work in a guest lodge in mm-hmm. Mullaney in the township. And we would go there on a Monday and Tuesday, which were the quieter days. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of teachers, they marketed to teachers and to uh, nurses mm-hmm. who were quite stressed out. So on the Monday and Tuesday, they come up and have a pamper package. Mm-hmm. So the other woman that I worked with would do the massage and I would do the facial component. Oh, how nice. And I would often get asked, what products are you using? Mm-hmm. And at that stage, I was using a combination of different products. I think I was using a little bit of Jalik and then there was another brand out of the States called Paul Penders, which mm-hmm. were very sort of herbal-based. And and um, and I had an epiphany when this woman was on the, table, on the table and she said, what would you recommend? You know, what should I use after the treatment? And I thought, well, I'm offering a, a service. Why don't I offer a, a product mm. as well? And I thought, you know, it can't be too hard. I know a little mm-hmm. bit about plant medicine and aromatherapy. Yeah. Well, and from what you'd studied, it sort of seems like it would all mm. come together and make... Yes, but it, was a, come, a, but it was a little <laughs> easier more challenging. Easier said than done. Exactly. It was a little more challenging than I'd first anticipated. So I started with something pretty easy. I thought, look, if I can get a cleanser, toner, and a moisturizer, yeah. that step one, two, three, then I can grow from there. Mm-hmm. So at least then if I've got something that I can offer everybody as far as just those basic rituals are concerned and the basic skincare requirements. And so the first product I actually made was a, a lip balm and mm-hmm. it was a uh, disaster. Oh, really? <laughs> it didn't work. I feel like a lip balm is a good place to start because so many of them even now are just like a petrol base <laughs> yes yeah, so it was very much um plant-based and then i used back in those days i used beeswax yeah um because it was a really good base and, mm. and it was called honey and macadamia nut um lip balm it was very popular mm-hmm. so the first batch didn't work and then i was at the time i'd left my husband so i was doing the whole single mother thing with a mm-hmm. young child and i thought well i've got <laughs> too- not too much on your plate <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think I've always been one of those people that likes to be busy yeah, and I've I always that. been a studier. I've yeah. always been, I'm not one to be idle or sit mm. still. Like it's hard for me just to switch off. Yeah. So I'm always, like, to that. yeah. And I'm always interested or looking at the, you know, the next thing or, or broadening my knowledge in some way. I'm mm-hmm. listening to podcasts or reading or mm. I'm just interested in education and, and educating myself. So anyway, we rescued this. I had a young girl staying with me who was um, helping me mm-hmm. um, with uh, Kiana at the time. And I was actually studying, psych- I was doing a psych degree as oh, well. So goodness. I was like, well, I've got to rescue this lip balm. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of how I thought, well, I need a little bit more information on what's going on with the products. Mm-hmm. And then I started to study cosmetic formulating. 
And back in those days, um, this was before the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so back in those days, there wasn't a great deal of information about natural product formulation and there wasn't even a certified organic standard for really that didn't come about until 2002 oh my goodness so it was very much in its infancy Mm -hmm. and finding raw materials that were unadulterated or that were clean and working out how to put formulas together things like emulsifiers Mm -hmm. preservatives and uh, surfactants almost impossible Mm. now with the evolution of the mindful beauty movement Mm. and with the evolution of green chemistry and the demand it's become a lot easier and back then there was really i mean i went to a few cosmetic chemists and they poo-hooed the idea that you could actually make natural products oh especially at that time it would have been unheard of no and of course when you as soon as you add water to something you've got to preserve it because you're introducing microbes and um, so finding natural preservation was exceedingly challenging mm-hmm. and to get a shelf life on the product was also very challenging as well. So it was really trial and error and there was no one to turn to. Um, so it was a bit of a lonely path as well mm. at that time. And so I'm just trying to go back through the timeline and then I was living at uh, this permaculture community crystal waters and then i moved Mm -hmm. into the township of mulaney because i could sense that the business was going to need to be somewhere where i could work from and um send the products out and also receive the goods so that i wasn't you know way out in the sticks so we moved i moved into the township of mulaney and started the business there and at that stage it was still uh, a home-based business Mm -hmm. and um, I was selling at Umundi Markets. Yes. And uh, then from there, I had the I had the foresight to start collecting people's email addresses, mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of the database. And so I was oh. able to. And this was uh, again back in two thousand. I was, was about to say, even then, collecting email addresses mm. would be almost foreign. Mm. So computers had only really just changed over from DOS. And yeah. And it was still very much, uh, you know, learning about how to run a business and market Mm. a business as well. So there were all these other uh, interesting factors. And then I studied, I did what's called the New Employment Incentive Scheme. And I think Mm -hmm. it's still going today. It was the NICE. Mm -hmm. And it was basically gave you an allowance to start a business and to do the fundamental components of how to start your own business and uh, I did that and that gave me that initial sort of paid for my rent while I played yeah. around with making the products and getting you know, clients, I guess. Mm. Such a hard thing to balance starting the business because you want to put all of your time into it, but then, you know, and then juggling to start a, profiting <laughs> straight away. And then juggling a, a, a child at the same time. So Ooh. there was a lot going on. I look back now and I, I was doing 16-hour days, but I was loving what I was doing. That I was, makes all the difference, doesn't it? I was so passionate about it. And I think it's really good to, when you start something, because you've got to do everything yourself mm. and then you have an appreciation. So even today, every aspect of the business I know and understand because mm. I've done it all from wearing many different hats in one day, from going from making the product to picking and packing, to labelling, to putting the batch number mm. on there, to getting in touch with the client, to marketing to the clients. I Back in those days too, we had, I used to write newsletters and send mm. them out and do the snail, snail yeah. mail way. Um, so I think it's great to have those, to be so hands-on and to have Absolutely. an appreciation for every staff member that now fulfills those roles. Mm. And... Um, and then just to gradually build the business organically. So there was no startup capital. It was basically mm. the new employment incentive scheme and and a laptop or a computer. And that was pretty much how it started. My first employee was a helped me with administration mm-hmm. and she and then she would answer the phones and I'd run around and do everything else. 
how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you touched on when you were working as a beauty therapist, you had seen the benefits of using natural products. Feel free to go as in-depth with this one as you'd mm. like, but why natural? To me, it just makes sense. So I believe that, well, I know that the body and the cellular makeup of plants is very similar to our own. So Mm -hmm. we have a natural affinity and we can utilize those uh, components of natural products and we expel or excrete what we don't need. So when it comes to plants, you've got antioxidants, you've got minerals, you've got vitamins, you've got this plethora of constituents that are basically food Mm -hmm. for the skin. Uh, harnessing those in the correct formula and in the correct way is part of the journey. And and I believe now that the IP belongs in the methodology Mm -hmm. and that's been a 20-year process of understanding how to put all those ingredients together so they work synergistically and in a compatible way. So for me, it just made sense to... um, to use plant medicine Mm -hmm. and that's basically all we had uh, or our ancestors had many years ago I am very concerned now about the number of chemicals that are in the environment and that we're exposed to so part of that journey and part of that education is that is really bringing that message out that there is a an assumption that everything and anything that is out there has been tested for use yes. on humans uh, and this is absolutely not the case it's so scary so when you go into a supermarket or a, or a pharmacy and you purchase a product mm-hmm. The only way that there is a regulatory body which of course is the TGA or the therapeutic goods administration in yeah. Australia. The only products that are TGA certified are the ones that go through the TGA, which means that they've been passed to have some cosmeceutical effect on the skin or mm-hmm. have some, uh, ch- it will, will create some change to the skin. So mm-hmm. say, for example, it might be psoriasis or eczema or red, itchy, sunburnt skin. Mm-hmm. So making any of those sorts of claims then go into the realms of TGA. So with as you know, as a, as a beauty mm. expert, um, you can't make those claims on products unless you have gone through the yes. TGA. So those goods are regulated. In saying that, you don't have all the ingredients listed on a TGA mm. product either. So okay. the safety of using many ingredients on a daily basis is unknown and unquantifiable. Mm epidemiological studies are done on certain segments of the population but they will only come to light if there is an issue so say for example i think hairdressers and nail technicians would be the most vulnerable as far as their exposure to lots of different chemicals i often think that about nail technicians in particular Mm. so there'd be two people or two classes of the population that i'd be looking at doing long-term studies on um and then i think for me, it just makes sense to avoid ingredients that we yeah. don't understand or we can't even pronounce. Uh, so it is unregulated. The industry is unregulated. This is the so most scary. And the other side of that too is that you've got a lot of these startup people who or businesses that may not be making their products in 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 an environment mm. that's safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, The products aren't tested. There's no microbiological data done on these products. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be very aware of, you know, if it's made in a factory, then obviously it's been through some um, uh, processing and it's in a clean environment. But unlike the food industry, Mm. uh, people can make products in their own kitchen. So this is another part of the industry that hasn't been regulated either. So it's it's concerning. for health and safety matters, it is concerning. And you're right, there are so many startup brands now, which is, I mean, it's an exciting time for beauty, but at the same time, it's terrifying if that, like, you've no idea where a product's being manufactured. No. And there's no one that's actually looking at the product and giving it the gold seal of yeah. approval or the tick to say, yes, this is safe for human consumption, mm. this is safe to sell. Even just the cleanliness of the environment. You go to a restaurant and you can rest, you know 
well, pretty you know assured someone, that someone mm-hmm. has checked that it's you know complies with a whole list of things. Yes, not the case with beauty, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, so that that's a concern that I have running in the back of my mind at times. Like, who, there's got to be some form of regulation. Mm. Um, really, the, I mean, you've got the A Triple C, of course, as well. Mm. But that will only come into play if this if there's been an issue. Yes, and then they will um, address that. Mm. So. Yeah, I think when you walk into a supermarket or a pharmacy or even a department store and you're buying the products, it's very important to scrutinise the label. Mm. And then to understand and read a label is obviously a whole other yes. uh, issue. And hence hence the book mm. that I wrote, um, which was basically a consumer's guide to how to read and understand a label and what to look for and what to avoid and... Um, so that started with the A to Z, what I call the A to Z blacklist yeah. of ingredients that I believed were, um, that have been, not that I necessarily believe, but that have been red flagged mm. as being, uh, having either uh, been carcinogens, irritants, having uh, EDCs, endocrine disrupting chemicals. So they're having some pe- impact on animals and the environment in mm. which we live. So they're the ones that, the main ones that the book all sort of, uh, that how it all started, mm. that process. And then it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, journey because I also wanted to make sure that anything that I had qualified as being detrimental, that there was research that had been done on that. So it was, it was a long process in, in going and delving in deep into those ingredients so some of them even now have been banned, like oxybenzone, for example, mm-hmm. in some countries. So anything that's been banned in other countries, Australia's a little bit slow. Yeah, uh, we are a bit behind with that, aren't we? Yeah, and the US is mm. also very uh, you know, reticent to make those changes mm-hmm. because obviously it's going to involve uh, many different areas of industry. Mm. And it's, it's you know, as, as with anything, it usually comes down to money. You shared some stats recently about the number of unique chemicals that we expose ourselves to on a daily basis. What does applying those chemicals, as far as we know, what does applying them topically actually do to the body? Okay, so that's a pretty general question in relation to... It's it's like that saying that people blatantly use that, you know, 60% of what you use gets yeah. absorbed within 26 seconds. I'm still looking for that study. <laughs> I mean, it's very broad sweeping. So basically, um, your skin is transdermal. It's, mm-hmm. it's also there to protect us. And it really depends on the molecular structure of what you're putting in your skin and the carriers. And there's so many variables that are involved with whatever you're using and whatever you're putting on your skin. So to say, you know, that, and then you've got penetration and absorption, which are two completely different things. Yeah. Um, which most people don't understand either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little more complicated than just sort of making a statement like that. But let me ask you, so for example, this morning, what have you used on, how many products have you used? I don't need to know the brand names, obviously, but how many products have you used since I'm you woke up and came head. here? On my skin? Yes, just oh, on your body, gosh. just in general. Like what have you used? Just the names of what they are, you know, oh, cleanser. I would have cleansed. I'm mo- I put on a serum, I moisturised, I put on SPF, then I did foundation, bronzer, blush, highlighter, mascara, lip balm. Oh, and I had a shower before that, so I yep. used a body wash. Yeah. 11. Setting spray. 12. <laughs> Brows. Yeah. Oof. Okay, so we're... And I've probably forgotten stuff as well. So we're up to around 15. Aye. So you've used 15 products Mm -hmm. before you walked out the door this morning. Mm -hmm. And what would be the average ingredient list size on those? Do you... There's a... There's... 10, 15, 20. So we'll just... Let's just, for the sake of the exercise, just do a quick calculation on that. So if there's, let's say, an average of 15. You're looking at over 200, 225 to 250, maybe even 300... Ingredients, not necessarily chemicals, because you can mm. also argue that everything's a chemical everything's as chemical, well. Yes. But you've used you've used probably three between two hundred and three hundred two fifty before leaving the house. Different ingredients mm. on your body 
this yeah. morning. So, and some of those you probably... And that was a condensed routine. Ex- this was yeah. the yeah. <laughs> short Sunday morning one. All right, so what I'm... The point here is mm. that the combinations and how they're all interacting with each other and what you've put on your body before you mm. even left the house is not something that's been studied. Of course. Yeah, I don't think about the, the combinations of the different things and how this ingredient could be affecting this that I've put on yeah. you know, and the, 30 and minutes prior. That's right. And then there's other ingredients that have been through a process of manufacturing. Say, for mm. example, anything that's been ethoxylated, mm-hmm. there's a byproduct that happens as a, as a result of that, which is dioxin-1,4, which is a known carcinogen. So anything that's got an F-E-T-H in it mm-hmm. has been through some sort of processing or ethoxylation, which also isn't on the label as well. Yeah. So it's, it, look, this can come across as very fear-based and it's not about that. It's Beauty is a very personal thing, I understand that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, you, you cannot or you shouldn't do this. It's just about having awareness. Mm. It's about eliminating um, potential and minimizing exposure to potentially dangerous or carcinogenic ingredients. Mm. We live in a world that is very, very much industrialized now, and we yeah. are subjected to many, many different chemicals in our environment. They're ubiquitous. Um, yeah. So it's about harm minimization. It's about being aware and taking precaution because there is no watchdog. There is no one who is sitting there ticking off every label of every Mm. product that's ever been made and making sure that they are safe to be used on humans. And there is no one that is studying the combinations of those different ingredients uh, and how they're used and how they interact together on a daily basis. Mm. So it's about simplifying your routine. It's about taking that into your own hands and reading the labels and understanding what is in a product and is it there because it needs to be there and um, what are the long-term compounded effects mm. of using it? Well, your brand's in the minority in that everything is ticked off because you reached certified organic status in 2016. We hear so much about brands going green and being natural and going organic, but I feel like there are so few that are certified organic. So what is the criteria there? Yeah, so we first actually became certified in 2006. Yeah. Uh, so that was with uh, the organic food chain. Mm. Um, organics is complicated and it also limits what you can use in your products. Um, and also there are so many different certified organic standards as yeah. well. So looking for certain logos is, uh, is also something else. It's a minefield in itself. <laughs> Uh, because every standard has different allowable inputs. Mm -hmm. So the gold standard that we now use, we became certified last year with Cosmos ACO, and I chose to change over to Cosmos ACO because it's a a globally recognised standard, and it's also a harmonisation of many different standards from across the globe. Um, Because you've got, of course, you've got all of Europe, and then you've got... Uh, the US and then you've got the UK as well so everyone has different standards so Cosmos is the global harmonization of many standards as I said and in Australia ACO is what I consider to be the gold standard because of the allowable inputs that they have in their um, because of the the criteria basically Mm -hmm. so what certification does is it allows it, it gives you or the consumer confidence that the product has been gone through as from a third party perspective so every raw material has to meet and and be an allowable input so there's certain things that obviously aren't allowed uh, in formulation mm. so it does make it a little more challenging than uh and, and you've got a third-party auditor that comes mm. into the business and goes through all the different processes, even down to the constituents of the essential oils that are used in a product. So basically everything down to the last drop has been accounted for. Um, so it, it's a, a very time-consuming process, mm-hmm. and it's also a costly process as well because there's, um, there's so much involved with the red tape of doing mm. that so you basically need to have people full-time working on the auditory trail to make sure that it's all all the boxes are ticked from the raw materials to the suppliers to the end product mm-hmm. 
So it's your guarantee that the product is actually certified organic. Yeah. As opposed to just saying that the product contains certified organic ingredients. Well, I think exactly what you've just ended on there and I think the fact you you said third party because there are so many brands who don't have third party regulating it and they will still put you know that it's green or it's natural or it contains certified organic ingredients for anyone who is I mean greenwashing is such a thing now Mm. brands will slap a green label on it and people will think oh this is the natural alternative could you obviously there's so much to it but could you explain a bit about the difference between say certified organic or just natural or botanical toxin free yeah so again those sorts of labels are bandied about Mm. and there are obviously um very good marketeers out there that use words in certain ways uh, Mm. and you can package a product to look as if it's a you know, greener than it may be. Yeah. So that's when it comes to learning what what we call the INCI or International Non-Clementure Ingredient List. Mm-hmm. So that's when you really want to scrutinise the front of the product yeah. and look for a logo that is from a certified body that is recognisable, mm-hmm. say, and has a high standard of input. So you'd be looking at something like in the US, you'd be looking at USDA in the UK, you'd be looking at Soil Association. In Australia, you'd be looking at ACO, Cosmos, uh, Organic Food Chain, or NASA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and EcoCert is another standard that's obviously come out of Europe, which is a little more of a watered-down standard because they allow certain synthetics into their formulations mm-hmm. as well. So you've got to know your standards as well. Um, it's your only guarantee that the yeah. product is veritably clean and pure uh so again all the other the words are unregulated the the marketing yeah. terms are unregulated as well so the products are unregulated and <laughs> words yeah. on the packaging yeah are. i know i know that, you know that sounds a bit overwhelming as well when 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 we look at it like that and and I think that's where, as consumers, we've got to empower ourselves. It's the same way yeah. with food, you know. I always Absolutely. compare the two because it's the same as if, say, for example, if you're going to make a cake uh, mm-hmm. you, or you're going to make a salad. You know, For me, it's about the quality of those raw materials or ingredients mm. that I'm going to use because I'm going to put them into my body or, or they're going to come, they're going to have an effect on my body. Mm. So what I put into my body is going to actually have an effect on how I'm feeling and um, and my overall health and well-being. So it's about, if you look at it in the same way as food, then it makes it a little less overwhelming, I Mm. guess. And I think people are getting, you know, growing increasingly aware with what they put in their bodies. So do you think beauty's next? Do you think that's the next sort of... There's definitely a mindful beauty movement happening now. Uh, You can see it. It's happening everywhere. And people are asking questions and consumers are becoming very savvy Mm. and they're very educated uh, you know, you've always got Google. You can access many of these research papers online. Mm. Um, I wished when I was writing the book that I was making a lot of it up. Um, I had a few very sobering WTF moments sitting here <laughs> at 4 a.m. in the morning just thinking this is, can't be right. Oh. You know, this can't be, this can't be right. Um, but it's about arming yourself with knowledge. Yeah. You know, becoming aware, asking questions. The the name Mukti means um, freedom from false knowledge and lies. So Amazing. it's kind of been that driving force, I guess, behind yeah. the brand and, and behind me. It almost also means freedom and liberation as well. So, oh. you know, knowledge allows you to have that freedom and liberation. Absolutely. I've always been one to question everything. I've never accepted anything at face value. If there's mm-hmm. a rule and I don't believe that it, needs to be applied i'm going to look a little bit further and poke Mm. a little bit and find out a little bit more out of my own curiosity i guess i think it's good to be curious absolutely and ask questions it's a good way to live Mm. a lot of what i hear from consumers is that there's this misconception which is sort of you know it's fading a bit now but there has been a misconception that natural products simply can't be as effective as their synthetic counterparts or the luxury brands or the high end whatever you want to you know Mm. the umbrella you put it under um efficacy is something that you talk a lot about particularly on social media and 
your age defiance range makes for a really good case study. You've noted that, was it 80% of the chemicals in traditional anti-aging skincare have never been tested? Look, I think, again, that 80%, when, when we're talking about that, I think it's more about um, collectively yeah. and, and, and all chemicals as far as whatever else is in the environment mm-hmm. hasn't been tested. Um, a small amount have been, mm-hmm. but it's more about how those ingredients come together and, and how mm-hmm. they're combined. Um, the Age Defiance Collection is... Uh, is as far as the consumers and, and 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 the formulation is concerned took about five years to formulate to get mm-hmm. it to that point so I used a certified organic base and then I added cosmeceuticals in there um, mm-hmm. things that the body could recognize so peptides amino acids vitamins mm-hmm. um, again these uh, these are ingredients that are laboratory synthesized but the body recognizes yeah. so they are going to have an effect or a cosmeceutical effect on the skin mm-hmm. if they're put together in the right way um, as I said before a lot of the IP is in the methodology of how these ingredients come together and also in, in choosing ingredients that come from reputable suppliers that it's the same way as if you're making a salad dressing, you wouldn't use a, a rancid yes. olive oil, for example. So you've got to be very careful about where your raw materials come from mm-hmm. as well. Um, so as far as efficacy is concerned and efficaciousness, I believe now with the evolution of green beauty and also with green chemistry is that now, and you combine those ingredients together in the right way, that they can definitely contend with mainstream Absolutely. luxury brands mm. and uh and and this also this argument isn't me being against synthetics per se it's about look some of these ingredients have not knowledge. been tested mm. how about we avoid using them until we know the mm. jury's out right now um so for me my personal choice is not to expose myself to those ingredients because i don't know what they're going yeah. to do to me and I, we do know that more and more people are, are getting sick we do know that there's more people that have uh, mm. allergies and sensitivities. We do know that there's a lot of EDCs or endocrine disrupting chemicals in our environment mm. that are having an impact on us. Um, so I think when it comes to comparing organic and natural with mainstream luxury brands, uh, what are you actually paying for? Mm. Are you paying for the marketing? Are you paying for the Packaging. advertising? Are you paying for the... Yeah packaging a paying for the glossy ad in the magazine mm-hmm. you know you've got to also dig a little bit deeper and ask what what are you paying for here are you buying into the story are you buying mm-hmm. into the glamour um you know and, and this isn't about necessarily even people using my product it's like we'll just use if you're not sure just use coconut oil yeah <laughs> you know um which is not suitable for everybody either because it can have a comedogenic yes. effect on people with oily skin um so look, I think we've come a long way in the past two decades that I've been in this industry, mm-hmm. and as far as the um, what's available uh, and the combination of those ingredients and how you put them all together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another case study of yours. There's so many to pull from, but one that's really stuck with me was um, when you were talking about Johnson and Johnson, the talcum mm. powder. Can you share a bit more about this for anyone who hasn't? Yeah. So. I, I think, you know, you could literally right now just Google Johnson Johnson talcum powder and see pages and pages and pages of litigation. Mm. Um, Johnson & Johnson's obviously a very well-established... Huge. Um, ...mega multinational mm-hmm. conglomeration uh, with very deep pockets. Mm. So they also have, you know, m- many different things under their, under their realm. But... Uh, they, from my understanding, what I've gleaned is that there has been asbestos used uh, as a byproduct of baby powder. Aye. And this is a product that is still sold in supermarkets and pharmacies across the globe. Mm. And it is used on the most vulnerable segments of the yeah. population. So we're talking about babies, toddlers, yeah, elderly. Skin. We're talking about people that are highly susceptible. Also, the the issue with that is the inhalation yeah. um, as well as 
putting it on your you know genitalia or your more sensitive mm. areas where you've got mucous membranes so yes. these are these are another areas of the body that that we've got to take into consideration anywhere that is more penetrable as mm. well you know so if you're going to swap out you'd be looking at anything that comes in contact with your mouth or your mucous membranes mm-hmm. um, your genitalia area anything that you can inhale anything that you can ingest yeah any of those things um, would be the first places to start if you're looking at swapping out products and switching to more natural or organic based products that's really good advice because i often think you know where do you start yeah yeah and look there's still you know there's always going to be you know some difference in in efficaciousness as far as you know mascaras natural mascaras that actually work that (laughs) that you really want to use um it's about but again, coming back to that, you know, minimization, mm. where you're putting it on your body. Um, I think the biggest one for me that I really have an issue with, and I think that's going to come to light um, in the same way that many things have come to light, like now the J and J talcum powder is. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to be liked by saying this at all, but perfumes and fragrances yes. are a huge, huge concern. And uh, the, many, many people have allergies and sensitivities to them mm-hmm. to the point of even anaphylaxis and yeah, anaphylactic responses. Um, you know, when you walk into a department store, you're affronted with perfume counters and perfumes and mm. fragrances. So the thing is with perfumes and fragrances is that they're tied up in trade, in, in trade secrets as far as what the constituents are mm. to make that perfume. So when you buy perfume, there is no ingredient list on it. Yeah, that's. But you've got things like. I um, thought about. Yeah, so you've got mm. things in there that that uh, like thylates, for example, that are plasticizers that mm. that we do know about BPA, of course, but they've also got other thylates in there that stick to the skin. So when yeah. you adhe- when you spray a perfume, you're adhering it to your skin. Mm. Um, and then you've got so many different combinations there's up to 300 different chemicals in perfume for example um or or possibly more that you're breathing in you're putting onto your lymph nodes yeah i'm so careful with where i spray it now i haven't phased it out because i'm an addict but yeah just so what i would suggest with with perfume for example is if you do want to use it um use it on special occasions Mm. use it in a very well ventilated area don't use it around children yeah um open your windows and your doors or even spray it outside and just spray it on your clothes one little pump is enough so our olfactory system was part of the the nature of that was designed to lead us away from danger so if you do have a response to to any sort of perfumes or fragrances which are again ubiquitous they're found in everything Mm -hmm. and they're not listed on the label they're fragrance or perfume um, that's the INCI listing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you do have a response, like you're having breathing difficulties, or you're getting headache, or nausea, or you you're feeling unwell after being in an enclosed environment with perfumes um, or fragrances, then that's your body's warning system saying yeah. move away from this. Um, and the other thing that happens too when you use something regularly or you smell it regularly so say for example i have essential oils in Mm. the diffuser right now can you smell them anymore no no so we've become we're we're used to that smell we've become our senses have been dulled by that but if we were to walk out of this room and come back in in, we'd be able to smell it again So when you put on a perfume or a fragrance, you may no longer be able to smell it. So some people tend to use way too much yep. and then they're walking around in this huge big cloud and they're not even aware that they've actually, mm-hmm. that they're actually, you could smell them from half a block away. So just a small amount, use it in an open space um, and not in an enclosed environment and just a little bit on your clothes mm. is more than enough as a precautionary measure. Now, we've talked very briefly about the cosmetic science degree that you completed in 2010. Now, I know that the headquarters and the beauty rooms of your brand are located up on the Sunshine Coast. So there's a team there, but unlike, you know, the big multinationals, J&J, we've touched on, it really is you at the helm formulating 
all of these products and mm. you know overseeing all of it so how do you balance a business that has so many elements to it yeah so i've got a really great team mm-hmm. now and i work very closely with we have a we do have a small research and development department within mm-hmm. the business I'll come up with the ideas and I'll look for a niche product or I'll see something that uh, that I want to create, but I want to create a, a I'll sort of reverse engineer it and, and mm-hmm. make a certified organic or natural version of it. Uh, so the development process is quite long sometimes as far mm. as pulling all those different components and ingredients in together and then sourcing those ingredients as well. Mm. Um Last year, we launched a Vital A and the Vital B serum, mm-hmm. which uh, they took a couple of years to develop because you've got to test them as well on on other people and mm. to find out if you know they actually are efficacious. Mm. Yes, and to see how well they work and what what that process that can take a while mm-hmm. um, to tweak, but. Yes, it is mainly me. How do I balance it? Uh, I I live, eat and breathe what I have written about in, in the book, in yeah. Truth and Beauty. It's a lifestyle. It's about health and wellness. It's For me, uh, I'm very regimented. I have a disciplined routine. I get up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. My day starts with uh, meditation and then writing in a gratitude journal and then I sit at my desk by 5. I'll have a... A bulletproof coffee I yes. intermittently fast mm-hmm. and then I only eat certified organic food mm-hmm. uh, and I drink water and I exercise so I'm yeah. doing all those things that I would normally do I don't sit for long periods of time I'll sit for short periods and then I'll get up and move my body because we're designed to move it's we're not so designed important. to be sitting at desks for long periods of time um, I'll make sure I get a nature connection I'll make sure I get sun in my eyes mm. I'll make sure I fire up my own mitochondria Mm-hmm. I want to live a long, healthy life, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so it's about balance, and it's about in order to juggle all those things, you've got to do, you've got to have you know adequate sleep, and and you've yeah. got to do all those other things that support health and wellness. So I'm always into biohacking. Um, my partner's a personal trainer, so he obviously has very high levels of, of expectations, and we we both walk our talk. You know, mm. I haven't always in saying that. But now I am probably the healthiest I've been. Um, and I think from there you become a more vibrant, exuberant human being as well and you can help more people. And Definitely. I believe that that's what we're all here to do. We're all here to, to help others. Mm. Um, there's too much uh, selfishness involved in this world yeah. right now and there's, there's a lot of ego. And I think that's where it becomes unstuck. So it's how can I be of service? How can I help others? For me, that's my that sort of helps me balance it all out, and and being a leader, of course, you know when you when you start a business, mm. there's no training in leadership. So, um, how how do you do that? How do you go about that? Mm. So, every day is is for me. It's a an experience to learn more about how I am. How how can I be a better person, mm. and how can I be a better leader, um, and how can I help more people. I think balance is such an important word as well because I feel as though people can tend to, particularly with social media, it's almost glamorizing being busy. Like, oh, I've been at my desk for X number of hours and, oh, I didn't get a chance to do this today because I've just been, you know, a slave to the computer. But that's, you know, that doesn't equal success necessarily. No, it's it's interesting how... um, Look, I, I remember when I did start my business too because I was so passionate about it and and you can go into a vortex if, mm. if you're really into something yeah as you know you know especially being a creative you can lose time mm-hmm. and you can get into that vortex so I think um as soon as you start to get those signs of restlessness or you're losing concentration yeah it's a good indication to move away and to do something different move your body have a few stretches do a few mm. asanas um, drink some water Go outside, ground yourself, take your shoes off. Nature connection is one of the most important things that mm. you can do on a daily basis. And I think that's where we get caught up and we, we've lost touch with that nature connection, mm. which brings us back to our sense of self. So if you can incorporate that in your lifestyle every day in some way, 
um, I think that that leads to a balanced, mm. healthier lifestyle. Uh, sitting in a in, in a room without fresh air, you know, none of this yeah. is sort of aiding our, our health. And then being in front of screens all the time is mm. also very detrimental. You know, there's a lot of blue light that's thrown from screens. Yes. It's incredibly draining uh, and, and not good for our health either. So looking for biohacks, you know, using um, the glasses that help, yeah. you know, the blue blockers and things like that. I mean, it's it's, yeah, I think... We've got to have a more balanced lifestyle mm. to be healthier as human beings and to be better people. Yeah. Mm. I think it's so easy to burn out as well and people don't realise how bad burnout is, not just mentally but physically as well. It's, you know, detrimental yeah. to your health. Adrenal burnout is, is, is very common. Yeah. And, again, you know, if you're, if you're eating healthily and you're supporting yourself, it's, it, it, it is all going to... Add mm. to the the rain what 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 I term as the rain barrel effect, which Stephen Cabral talks about, is that you know you can't just keep pushing and pouring things in and not allowing the body to to detoxify or, or reassimilate or or get back to square. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's a holistic approach. I want really want to talk about the book, and we yes. were saying before we started recording how you had to make a conscious effort to not start new projects while you're working on the book because, you know, too many things in the air at once mm. can be not the best. But the book, um, it really is, I, you know, we've talked a lot about arming yourself with knowledge and I feel like that's what the book is about. It's allowing people to go into a department store, you know, even a chemist or supermarket armed with the knowledge that they need to be able to decode a label it really is it's almost another language mm. obviously we can't you know go through everything that's in the book in this interview but what are the what are the basics what's the 101 that we have to know so i would look at the label i would look at the front of the label and see what claims are being made on there yeah look at what ingredients that are listed on the front of the label as being the key ingredients mm-hmm. and then I would flip it over and I'd also look for certification this is my yeah. obviously me talking um this is what I would be looking out for mm-hmm. if I was making the switch or I was concerned or I wanted to find out more uh then I would flip the bottle over to the back yes because the order that they're listed in is descending mm. as, as you know with uh, similar yeah. to food products so in the same way that you'd be looking at a food label you mm. need to do the same thing with the with the skincare so the top third is where you want to look mm. at, and that's where most of your the main ingredients will be there most products will list water first and then they'll have yeah. some sort of a carrier in there so it might be water and glycerin, for example. Mm-hmm. So they're going to make up the majority of the product. Um, if you're looking for plant-based products or natural products, you'd be looking there for plant material. So you'd be mm-hmm. looking for your Latin. So uh, you'd be looking at, say, for example, aloe vera barbadensis. You'd be looking at anything that sounds like a botanical species, mm-hmm. um, macadamia turnifolia, um, Shinesis simundesia as jojoba oil for example um, you'd be looking for the plant based species mm-hmm. so that sounds and looks very different to something that is more of a chemical or synthetic yeah. uh, termed ingredient so look out for um, botanicals and then um, your middle third have usually got your actives in there and then your final third have got your preservatives, uh, your colorants, your fragrances, your essential oil constituents, etc. Um, most natural and organic products will use essential oils as opposed to fragrances or perfumes, mm-hmm. so you'll have those constituents listed on the label. Um, again, if this is if they're labeled correctly. Yeah, um, I can only hope. You know, there is something to be said to in relation to essential oils because they also have to be used with discretion Mm -hmm. Uh, you would never apply essential oils neat to your skin for example no um you would always uh, for me as a formulator i always look for the purest form of essential oils that are unadulterated Mm -hmm. and they're in there in a therapeutic quantity for a therapeutic reason Mm -hmm. um so 
they have to be used with discretion. I know that there's some people within the industry that would say, you know, never use essential oils on your skin. But again, it depends on what the essential oils are, what the carrier, the carrier is, yeah. um, and how they're used because they, they also plant medicine, but they are to use, be used with great respect because mm. they're 70 times stronger in general than what they when they were uh, extracted from the plant material. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the main things. Um, learn your INCI. Learn to distinguish between uh, a chemical-sounding name and a plant-based species and look at the top third mm-hmm. uh, as, as a guiding uh, principle when you are looking at what the main constituents are. And then you want to go down to your preservatives as well because they uh, are often quite strong uh things like uh, you know there's certain preservatives now that are still being used we all know about the parabens um so they've been phased out but there are other ones now that are of concern so um phenoxyethanol is one that is of concern and sodium hydroxymethylglycinate is also of concern these ones have been red flagged Mm -hmm. um there's been studies that have been linked to um to these two preservative so i'd be looking at avoiding those as well uh, there are some um in the u.s for example there are some sites over there that if they're buying natural and, uh, and organic products and selling natural and organic products they won't uh, allow brands in there if they're using those two preservatives mm-hmm. so that to me is also a red flag that there is an issue with yeah. those you've talked a lot about label claims which is when a brand uses less than an ingredient's required amount. So the brand is still making a claim like contains, duh, 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 but it's down the very bottom of the list. Can you talk a bit more about this? Yeah, and in some cases it's not even actually in the product. Oh, I've actually read labels before. <laughs> I guess I'm, you know, because that's what I do for a living, I scrutinise labels. I'm a label sleuth. Um, but I've actually seen products where it says contains, or let's say, for example vitamin e mm. uh, and then you'll flip the or, or even shea butter or some sort of constituent mm. in there and you'll flip the label and have a read and it's not even in the inci God. so whether they've made a mistake on their label listing or that's not actually yeah. even in there either way um so again with making a claim on a, an, an active ingredient for example and the tests mm. that have been done on it so let's go back to the age defiance as an example, um, which will help me to illustrate that further, is when I used the active constituents or the peptides that had been tested mm-hmm. at their percentage, I would use them at the higher point. So if, if the the test was done at 2% uh, and this recommended percentage from the manufacturer was 2 to 5, I'd push it to the 5% and see how the product yeah. responded at that level. Um, but without it being too active as well because you don't want the, an adverse effect to be um, to, to be yeah. created either. So it's about, um, again, unregulation. Um, you can't really and you shouldn't really be making those claims mm. unless you are using that active in those percentages that has been tested and has had those results mm. at that level. So uh, I'll only ever use those claims if they have been tested in on humans and they have had those results Mm. at that level or 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 slightly higher than that level Mm um so yes it it's unregulated as well i guess that's Mm. does that answer your question yes it does the beauty industry has changed exponentially in the 20 or so years since you launched mukti organics but based on everything that you've said it seems like we do have a really long way to go as far as product regulation goes what do you think we can expect to see next from the beauty industry as a whole i think technology is definitely on the increase mm-hmm. and and aging is is obviously a big issue uh and it's it's about um i think too the dysmorphia is a big problem right now yes uh, and there's an obsession with perfection Mm. rather than just embracing one's unique beauty Mm -hmm. and uh, everyone's sort of starting to look a little bit 
similar. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit... really scary. It is. It's sad, actually. It is. It is. Because underneath all of that is a self-esteem issue. Yeah. There's deeper issues. Mm. And, um, you know, if we go back in time, you know, people used to always use lipstick. And, and in, in war times, for example, lipsticks were the highest selling. Mm. Um, they, they made people feel better. So... It's about enhancing your beauty without um, w- without harming yourself, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, it's a it's a form of disfigurement in a way. Mm. So I think there's amazing technological advances and tools that we can use. I think mm-hmm. there's different extraction methods as opposed to pulverization and um, maceration. There's mm-hmm. there's other ways that we can actually garner. The raw materials exact from plants for example the cellular extraction methods which allow the product or the the raw material to remain the same as it was within the plant without disturbing the cellular matrix so that the viable constituents are still uh, able to be used and assimilated in the same way mm-hmm. so for example that's uh, happened with the native Australian extracts that we use. So mm-hmm. the way that they're harnessed means that we get to use the best part of the plant and it has those mm-hmm. antioxidants and the vitamins and it has that it is going to have that efficacious effect mm-hmm. on the skin. So I think as far as technological advances, I think there's things, you know, there's many different non-invasive things that you can use that will assist with um, a skin rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested as well in what goes on in the gut because that definitely yes. whatever we put into our bodies i mean you can't eat bad food and, mm. and drink copious amounts of alcohol and expect that you're going to wake up and look no. wonderful and your skin's going to be glowing it mm-hmm. all starts in in the gut so that's very much of interest to me as well um uh collagen's of great interest to me how do we harness yes. collagen how do we keep that in our systems and our bodies um Unfortunately, it has to come from a an animal source. Um, yeah. You can you can balance the amount of collagen uh, production by uh, consuming materials that will um, enhance your own production of collagen. Yeah, but once you it. reach twenty five, everything is on the decline. Unfortunately, yeah, sadly. <laughs> so again, it's it's all about life. So you can't just mm. slap something on your face and expect a miracle. No. It has to be, it has to start with what you're putting in your mouth mm-hmm. and then it extends out from there. So, you know, there's certain things that you can take and certain supplements that you can take that will also assist with producing your own collagen and, and keeping your skin looking young and supple and beautiful. You know, avoiding the sun in the hottest parts of the day. Mm. A little bit of vitamin D is essential, but not baking in the sun uh, and you know, if you if you do expose yourself to the sun, your your skin is going to experience some sort of mm. cellular damage, which isn't going to show up until you're forty, and yeah. then there's nothing you can do about it really at this stage yeah. until we get to. I mean, there's lasers obviously that are great. Um, you know, there's a lot of non-invasive surgical mm. procedures that that are now available, so that's exciting. Um, you know, nobody really wants to look old. No. Um, it's not an easy process, but it's something that we all have to embrace. So rather than looking at it as anti-aging, it's it's about how can I age gracefully and beautifully yeah. and be okay about that and, and treat aging as a privilege Yeah, as opposed to something to be frightened of. It's a really beautiful way of looking mm. at it. So you've published your first book. The product range just keeps growing. I can't keep up with it. And you've won countless awards for your formulas. I tried to sit there and count them but there's there's too many what is next from mukti organics so i'm i'm interested in um i've started playing around with a little bit of makeup but Mm. i'm saying that uh it would be you know it's it's my demographic or my my people uh that we market to aren't big makeup users or wearers yeah so yeah. again um you know can we we're, we're limited because there's certain things that you can't use as far as yeah. being a vegan brand is concerned um uh, so makeup is definitely something using it uh to enhance your your features um so i've been playing around with some formulas uh that are plant-based and then plant stem cells also of interest mm. to me as well so i'm doing a little bit of 
playing around in that area. Um, and now we've pretty much, uh, we're, we're just consolidating at the moment because we relaunched and rebranded again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm play, I am playing around with a few internals as well. Um, the, you know, the collagens are, are from a, from a probably a fish source, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I've been experimenting with for a number of years now. Uh, so there's always new ingredients or technology out there. So it's about, you know, looking at, uh, not so much trends, but Mm -hmm. uh, looking at ways to enhance, uh, one's health and wellbeing, uh, overall and to counteract the, the effect of free radicals and toxins in our environment. So anything in that realm interests me. I think the the women that I'm marketing to are more natural beauties, so they'll only be looking for a little bit of concealer, yeah. a little it's touch like of yeah, just mm. just enough to you know to to give the complexion a, a healthy Lift. glow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm still very much involved with the the creative aspect of the business. I get to do all mm-hmm. the fun things that I love to do now, which is researching and and writing and um, and keeping up with the the latest trends but also um, you know consolidating what we already have now and moving into overseas markets and expanding the brand Um, ideally I'd love to be able to have some way that we can recycle everything that we use and bring it back to the Mm. back to being able to reuse it again so one way to be able to do that would be to have some flagship stores Um, Mm. that would be exciting that would be an ultimate goal for me one day Um, but yeah so I think now it's just consolidation for me and uh, an education that was Mukti, founder of Mukti Organics, who you can find on Instagram at Mukti Organics and at by Mukti. Or you can discover more about the brand by visiting muktiorganics.com. To read my interview with Mukti, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us and join the Glow Journal family. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.